Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's look at Job chapter 6. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Then Job answered and said, Oh, that my vexation were weighed, and all my calamity laid in the balances, for then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea, therefore my words have been rash. So Job wants all his anguish, all his vexation to be weighed on a scale. And he says, if you put it on the scale, it would be heavier than all the sand of the sea. <laughs> and he's saying, you know, this is too much. It's too heavy. It's too much for one person to bear. All this pain, all this suffering, but there's also all this anguish, vexation in his heart. And he says, that's why my words have been rash. That's why it sounds almost wrong what I'm saying. I'm venting all the frustration that's in my heart. That's why my words have been rash or difficult to hear. And, you know, what he's going to say in this chapter is going to be very, very difficult because he's going through pain and he's going to say stuff that sounds almost wrong. You know, you're a Christian, you can't say these kind of things. <laughs> and we need to resist that temptation to correct Job, you know, to correct his theology, but to hear, you know, where is he coming from? You know, what's the pain that he is encountering? And maybe even to understand that uh, God is using his pain, using his questioning to teach us, to teach us about who God is in the midst of our pain, in the midst of a world that is full of pain and injustice. It's interesting that God would do this kind of thing, you know, use pain to teach us wisdom, to use suffering to point us to a savior. But he does that with Jesus, but that's running ahead of ourselves. But yeah, okay, back to Job, back to Job. Verse four, for the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me, ganged up against me. So he's saying that God has painted a target on his back and all these arrows shot and directed at Job. And he's wondering, you know, what have I done <laughs> to cause God to hate me so much? Feels that way. Feels that way when he's going through the suffering. It feels as if God has unfairly targeted Job in his anger. Verse 5, does the wild donkey bray when he has grass or the ox low over his fodder? Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the juice of the mallow? Um, talking about food, you know, talking about animals who have food, you know, if animals have food, they stay quiet. <laughs> Does the wild donkey bray when he has grass? You know, he's busy eating his grass. The ox is busy eating his hay and they won't make any noise. But Job is making a lot of noise. So why is that? Well, he says, it's not that I don't have food, but food has lost taste in my mouth. So verse 7 um, sorry, verse 6, tasteless without salt. It tastes like the juice of a mallow. I guess it's a kind of vegetable that is quite tasteless. But he's, say, he's saying, it's not that I don't have food or not that I don't have life, but this life has no joy. It has no God. It has no meaning. Verse 7, my appetite refuses to touch them. They're as food that is loathsome to me. Verse 8, oh, that I might have my request and that God would fulfill my hope 
that it would please God to crush me, and that He would let loose His hand and cut me off. God doing kung fu. <laughs> but he's asking God to cut him off, essentially to end his life. Now, that's very strong, but he's asking God to end his suffering. I think that's, what, that's at the heart of his request. You know, it's too much, it's too prolonged. It doesn't have a point. And so God, if you're going to judge me, just judge me to the end. You know, do the deed. <laughs> Don't make me get stuck in this prolonged um, experience of anguish. Uh, verse 10, this would be my comfort. I would even exult in pain and sparing, for I would have, or I have not denied the words of the Holy One. So he maintains his integrity. I've not denied God, but God, if only you would end my suffering, I would praise you, no matter how painful that end would be. Mm. Yeah. Again, shows that he's in this conflict. He wants to maintain um, his integrity, his relationship with God. But at the same time, he can't in this situation of suffering. He's caught in between of wanting to still trust in God, but not being able to handle this kind of trial, this kind of test and suffering that obviously has come from God. Uh, verse 11, what is my strength that I should wait? Sounds very impatient. And what is my end that I should be patient? There you go. <laughs> he, he can't take it anymore. That's why he's saying, you know, I, um, in Malay we say, tak boleh tahan, you know, or uh, cannot think to you already. That's, that's Chinese. But just different ways of expressing how he's come to his wit's end. And that's why he's just pleading for mercy, for God to end it all. Verse 12 is my strength, the strength of stones, or is my flesh bronze? Have I any help in me when resource is driven from me? So he is just human. You know, he doesn't have uh, biceps made out of stone. And more than that, he doesn't have any friends, any help to aid him in this time of need. You know, resource is driven from me. Verse 14, he who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. So he, now he switches from talking about God and he's talking about his friends, you know, the resources that's driven from him and the kindness of a friend that he isn't finding from his friends. His friends are there, but they aren't kind. They aren't understanding towards his situation. My brothers are treacherous as a torrent bed. There you go. You know, his brothers... They are his enemies, as torrential streams that pass away, which are dark with ice and where the snow hides itself. When they melt, the snow, this ice, they disappear. And when it's hot, they vanish from their place. So describing ice on a hot day. <laughs> and this, this is what is called a torrent bed. A torrent bed is ice that comes from the mountains. It slides down and then it forms this lake, this pool of water. But because it's so hot, it just evaporates. And so he says, you know, your help is like unreliable water. You know, it just evaporates. You know, it's not there. And he says, you know, you guys are being bad friends. You've come all this way, but you've come with unkindness. You've spoken words, but words which attack me. They don't comfort me. 
Uh, verse 18, the caravans turn aside from their course. They go up into the waste and perish. The caravans of Timaluk, the travelers of Sheba Hope, they're ashamed because they're confident. They come there and are disappointed. So all these travelers in the desert, they come a long way. They come from Tima, they come from Sheba, and they come looking for water. So they change course because they think, oh, there's going to be this torrent bed there, but then nothing, <laughs> and they die as a result. And it reveals that maybe Job was hoping for more from his friends, like these caravans. He was hoping for refreshment, for friendship, for understanding. And he's been disappointed, and he's only found criticism. And it's just made this, 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 this ordeal even more painful. Yeah. Verse 21, for you have now become nothing. You see my calamity and you are afraid. That's interesting. He's saying the reason why they're attacking him is because they are afraid. That, some, that, that they're somehow worried looking at what's happened to Job. And I guess, you know, maybe they're worried that it could happen to them. Yeah, you know, it happened to Job and he was an upright guy. He was blessed by God and God just took it away. You know, if it happened to him, what's to say it wouldn't happen to me? You're afraid. Verse 22, have I said, make me a gift or from your wealth, offer a bribe for me, give me money or deliver me from the adversary's hand or redeem me from the hand of the ruthless. Meaning he's not asking for anything that will cost them anything, not money, not even their safety. But what's he asking for? Verse 24, teach me and I will be silent. Make me understand how I've gone astray, how forceful are upright words, but what does reproof from you reprove? So he's asking for words, maybe words of comfort, words of understanding, but instead he's receiving forceful, upright words. He's receiving good theology, in other words that's trying to scold him into repentance, you know, reproving. And he says, what does your reprove reprove? Um, verse 26, do you think that you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is wind? You even cast lots over the fatherless and bargain over your friend. So he's describing their correct theology as cruel words, you know, casting lots over the fatherless, bargaining over their friend. They've abandoned relationship. They've abandoned a friend in the pursuit of correctness. And, and I think here it highlights uh, the importance of relationship whenever we're speaking truth. Now, here are these friends. And I think, uh, you know, they're trying to sound right. I think in their minds, they think they have a point. But they're willing to sacrifice their friend in order to make that point. And to put it positively, you know, the best way of telling the truth, the best way of telling the gospel is always within a context of love and relationship. You know, that's why you know, God uses people to speak the gospel because people, um, um, well, uh, they understand what the value of relationship is. They feel, you know, empathy towards one another and God wants to communicate his love for us through our love for one another. 
But these guys have removed that love. They've removed that relationship. And they're just speaking empty doctrine. Um, verse 28, But now be pleased to look at me, for I will not lie to your face. Please turn. Let no injustice be done. Turn now. My vindication is at stake. Um, this is very interesting. What he's saying? He says, look at me, look at me. It's as if they're not looking at him. And, he, and then he says, verse 29, turn, 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 almost repent. It's almost as if they can't look at him as they say these things. They are saying things towards him, but they can't bear to look at him. And I think this kind of looking is not just looking at him uh, in his humble estate, but to hear his words. I think look at things from his perspective. I think that's why he's trying to say. And that's why he ends with verse 30. Is there any injustice on my tongue? Cannot my palate discern the cause of calamity? And I think it's just this way of saying, don't you see that maybe I have a point? You know, can't you see that maybe I too have the wisdom and the perspective to kind of work out what's going on here? That I really am innocent and God really has poured out judgment on me. And this is really interesting because he's not really looking for pity. And, you know, that in itself would be valuable. You know, here a friend is going through a tough time. It is just worth being understanding and forgiving even of their words because they're speaking out of anguish, out of pain, and they're asking questions that, um, that that's a reflection of them working out how this pain fits in with God's love, fits in with God's justice. So it's just worth being understanding and being a friend in that context. But it ends in a slightly different tone. You know, Job is almost asking his friends to be his um, supporters, you know, to be learning from his pain. You know, he says, don't you see that actually I have some wisdom here that is born out of my suffering. It's almost as if his perspective of someone having been through this experience gives him a very unique position, gives him almost um, a kind of wisdom that you can only gain through pain and loss and this kind of difficult perspective. And so I think that's maybe even speaking to us. You know, we're meant to learn something from this passage. We're meant to learn from this wisdom because this kind of wisdom is only seen in someone who is going through intense, intense suffering from God. We see it here in Job, and ultimately for us as Christians, we see it on the cross, how Jesus takes our suffering upon himself and speaks to us words of salvation. And to see there God's justice, to see there God's way of bringing us sinners back into relationship with him. Yeah, okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you're teaching us. You're teaching us through Job's suffering. And I think in a way you're preparing us for ours. Um, help us to hear his voice, to see his perspective, and to come running to you <laughs> um, at the cross. And asking, Lord, that you be merciful upon us, that you look upon his suffering, his cry for help, his, his death, and pour upon us his life, his blessing, his love. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Shh.